Hey there, beauty business owners, managers, and those of you planning on launching your beauty business soon. How are you doing today? It's a beautiful, sunny, and warm day here in the UK, and we don't get to say that very often. And I'd like to welcome you to episode 31 of the Beauty Business Podcast. Now, if this is your first time listening, then welcome along. My name is Adam Chatterley. I'm your host here on the Beauty Business Podcast. And like I say, I'm on a mission to help the smaller independent businesses in the health, wellness, and beauty industry to reach their business goals through simple, practical, and focused business information. We're really all about the foundations here of building an incredible, rewarding, profitable, and above all, stress-free beauty business. Because who wants a business that keeps you up late at night worrying, am I right? Now, as you know, I pride myself on bringing you value-packed, actionable information in these podcast episodes. It's what I strive for, and I think in season three, I've been delivering on that and more. However, occasionally, I like to bring you something equally valuable, but a little bit different. So today we're talking with one of you. Yep, a salon owner who, like a lot of people, changed their career and came fairly late to the world of the beauty industry, but has nevertheless built a thriving business in a tough market and in a competitive town. Now we talk about her story, which is a fascinating one, by the way, you'll definitely want to listen to that, how she got into the beauty industry and why, but probably most importantly, we talk in detail about what exactly she did to build her business, what it took, how long it took her and the results that she is seeing now. You'll definitely want to listen to that bit, trust me. Now her name is Kat Phillips. She's a salon owner from Chicago, Illinois, and she is so incredibly humble despite creating this amazing business putting her clients first, and I mean before everything, and how also she uses her business that she's created to give something back to her community. So put the notebook down for this one. All the notes that you need are going to be on the show notes page, which I will tell you about at the end. So just enjoy listening to Kat's story and take away from it inspiration and ideas to help your business grow to over 100% fully booked. Yep, that's what I said, over 100% fully booked. So welcome to the show, Kat Phillips. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you here. So um, now we've connected over the internet. We've chatted a couple of times and I know a little bit about your businesses because you have a couple. Um, just for everyone listening, Kat, could you kind of give us a bit of your history, how you got started and kind of through to the, the the main business that you run and also the other business as well? Absolutely. Um, I guess, well, I kind of started in sort of a weird sort of way, um, went to college and studied philosophy and discovered quite quickly that there was no money to be made as a philosopher. And, um, so after that, I was a little bit of a malaise and I put everything in my car Oh, from the United States, I put everything in my car and I, um, drove out to California, um, and decided I was going to work in the film industry. I didn't know what I was going to do, and I met someone who needed makeup on a military film that he was doing. So I said, absolutely, I'll do it, and I bought a bunch of Halloween makeup from probably Walmart and um, pretended to know what I was doing, and I did the, my first film. I was in the film industry for about 10 years and um, worked with a lot of stars and got on a couple of big blockbusters and it was really wonderful. And then I met my husband who lived in Chicago and he said, I'm not moving to Los Angeles. Will you come here? 
And I said, okay, great. And so I moved to uh, Illinois and um, there really wasn't a big film culture here. So I knew I had to do something different. And I really fancied going to the spa after a film when I was super stressed out. And so I decided that that was just a nice thing for people to be able to do. So I started working towards becoming an esthetician. And so I've been an esthetician now for 13 years. And I started working uh, with a doctor, which was kind of short-lived. And then I worked for an amazing hair salon, multiple locations, became their trainer. Um, And then uh, almost five years ago today, um, I opened my own store. And so I have a small skincare clinic called Grayfit Skin and Beauty. Um, I have another esthetician working for me as well. And um, we also have an online store, and that's called Petal and Herb, and that's predominantly in place to be able to um, raise awareness to different charities. So we change our charity every quarter, and we give a large portion of our proceeds to charity every quarter um, because we do believe that um, every bottle of skincare can help make a real difference in the world. And so that's what we've been doing, and um, yeah, about to celebrate year five. That's amazing. I love that. I, I, ever since we've connected, I love hearing from you and all these different things. Now, there's quite a lot you just just said in that in that bit there. So I just want to I want to kind of go back because I love the fact you said I decided I wanted to work in the film industry. Uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I just moved to California. I mean, we, did you have any ideas at all? Well, this one gets a little wacky. So, um, you know, after after I, I got my degree and they gave the big speech telling us that we probably weren't going to do as well as our parents. Um, <laughs> Hang on a minute. That's, that's not the most motivational uh, graduation <laughs> No, speech. it was awful. It was awful. I can see why that's not one of these uh, famous YouTube ones now, yeah. Yeah. And so I'm, you know, admittedly, um, I'm, I may have had a, um, a couple of, of gins that night and, um, got the grand idea to write on a sheet of paper, everything that I had ever done and made money. And I had worked in, um, I had worked in theater because at the time I was dating an actor and as a stage manager and, um, also costume designer, all of that sort of thing. And he, um, so he was very much on the forefront of my mind at that time. And, um, I had gotten a position working on a show called of mice and men, and I had done the prosthetics for, there was a clubbed hand. And I got paid for it. So since I got paid for it, I put it on the list of things I had gotten paid for. Um, And then as the night went on, um, I got the idea to blindfold myself and throw a dart at (laughs) (laughs) the map of the United States. And it uh, landed on Southern California. So the next day, my cat and I were in the car and just driving. And, um, after I did my first film, probably the biggest stroke of genius I had is I, cause I lived really close to Warner brothers ranch. And as everyone exited Warner brothers ranch, uh, there was a bench that had an ad campaign on it and it had come available. And so I bought the bench, put a picture, a beautiful picture of a girl that I had done her makeup on the bench and just my name, no other information, no contact, anything. And I had a six months lease on this bench. And then once it had taken down and papered over, it was another thing. Then I started sending my resume to 
everybody at Warner Brothers. And it was really funny. Everybody's like, oh, yes, I know exactly who you are. You're fantastic. And they had never seen who <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't really done any you of that You subliminally point. got into their heads every time they drove out of the ranch. That's, I love that. So on their way home, they heard my name every day. And, um, you know, and it kind of all started from there. And then the first uh, job I ever did, um, I worked with a guy who was from Texas and he was just so nice and, um, had no idea what he did. Never even thought to ask him what he did. Um, and after that film was over, he said, Hey, I, I, I need your help on something. And so I met him at Warner brothers and sure enough, he worked for friends. And so, um, I didn't get a chance to work on friends that day, but, um, here I was working with one of the producers on one of the top television shows around (laughs) at the time. So yeah, I was just, you know, you you never know who's going to show up in your life. You just have to be nice to them all. Absolutely. And and I just love this idea that you, you kind of had this idea of taking this lease on this bench. I mean, had you ever heard of anyone doing anything like that before? Did it just kind of come to you or? You know, I know that I am a huge borrower of other people's brilliance. I may not know where it came from, but I'm not all that creative. So I'm sure that I had the idea from something and just formed it into something that worked for what I was doing. But yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. (laughs) I love the idea anyway. So this is kind of possibly the going to going to be the theme a little bit of, of this episode as we kind of get into things with Kat um and very much the reason that I've asked Kat onto this episode is um I think weirdly we actually got in contact with each other when I was first promoting my um my main kind of flagship course about uh, getting new clients and I can't entirely remember how how things came about but I think Kat sent me an email going I don't really have a problem getting clients I'm actually a hundred and something percent booked and I was like, Oh hang on a minute. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna contact you for two reasons. One, why are you speak why are you contacting me? And two, a hundred and what percent booked? So can you tell us a little bit more about uh, now we actually we've probably jumped over how he became an esthetician. So we should probably focus on that a little bit at some point. But actually let's do that now. Let's go into that. So you met your now husband um and you moved to Chicago. And you decided that you wanted to move into the skincare world. So, I mean, how did how did that kind of happen? Did you literally kind of shut up shop in, in L.A., move over and then go, what shall I do now? Yeah, I um, I actually may have even just <laughs> I may have actually even told some big producers that I didn't need them anymore okay. because I was in love and I was <laughs> leaving. Um, but, um, you know, honestly, it was really my husband who, um, who told me that it was okay to become a, uh, esthetician. Um, he, I think his work, exact words were, why don't you do something your father would never forgive you for? And, um, and it did, it took about 10 years for my dad to forgive me for going into this industry. And, you know, I'm a daddy's girl, so it's always about, um, pleasing my dad. Um, yeah. And so I went to, I went to skincare school here and to get my license. And I think about three weeks into the course realized, um, the teachers realized they didn't really know what to do with me because most of the time, um, they were all hairdressers that were teaching estheticians. And I had already had a really big career that involved skincare, even though that wasn't doing facials, but it was, was a special effects artist. So you put, you know, you're putting prosthetics on the face and you have to really maintain the integrity of the skin because your glue points are the same every day. 
Anyway, so I think by week four, they had me teaching the um, makeup modules at the school because they were <laughs> terrified to teach it to me. Um, and yeah, I was, I, I admit, I was incredibly bored. Um, I think I memorized the entire handbook for two skincare lines, including all of their ingredients. And so I spent a lot of my downtime while I was in school for this eight months um, studying ingredients and what went together and what didn't go together and, and, and really falling in love with the chemistry of everything. So I was going to say, so you really kind of absorbed that science side and it wasn't just about doing treatments on people and things like that. It was really kind of getting deep into the, the understanding of it. Yeah. I'm one of those people that you can't tell me it just will. Um, I, I have to know why. And I, I mean, I have to be able to see it and, and just, I'm just that, I'm just that person. I wish, I wish at times people could be, it's, this is the way it is, Kat, but I'm not, I'm that person that if you hand me a video camera, I don't just turn it on. I want to take it apart. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit like less with the skincare, but I'm definitely that with, you know, if I buy a new anything, I want to know every single thing it does. I probably only want it to do one thing, but I need to know everything it does just in case it might do something that I don't know about so yeah I can I can identify with that so let's move on then so became an esthetician you worked in a couple of businesses for other people Mm -hmm. yep um and how was that working for other people was that kind of did you then move into from being a little bit bored learning to be an esthetician were you then a, a lot more satisfied working for people with clients well I mean I think for I think for myself as uh when I worked for a doctor which I loved. It was a great education for me. I felt it was a little bit less about creating a relationship with somebody because they came in, they got what they wanted and you never saw them again. Um, and so I found that a little bit disillusioned cause I'm someone who likes to really lay out a plan and goal set and work with someone as a team. Um, so when that didn't work out, I, I ended up working for this fabulous company named Zano. And, um, the woman who started, she started it in the eighties. Um, Denise was a hairdresser and she just, uh, she was the most impressive woman I've ever met in my entire life. And I'm, I, I just, I learned so much from her, even if she wasn't teaching it, you could just watch her and the way that she carried herself and the way that she knew everybody that worked for her. She knew uh, every client that came in the business. She was just really impressive. And so I stayed with her for a really long time um, until the location that I was at, they decided to close. And I had such a strong relationship with the people who lived in the area that I didn't want to move 10 mi- my business 10 miles. And so that's that was really the impetus for me starting my own is because um, I had learned probably from watching, watching my old boss just how important it was to create a relationship and I just couldn't leave it. So that's why I started. So do you think if that business had stayed open uh, and the same boss had stayed there, do you think you'd still be working there now? Or do you think at some point you would have gone out on your own? No, I probably would have been with her forever. I'm incredibly loyal. Yeah, she was, <laughs> yeah, she was, she was amazing. She was amazing. Just really amazing. Are you still in touch with her now? Um, every once in a while we'll run into each other, but um, we definitely in different circles because we work in different towns and she's actually moved now. Um, she's out of the salon itself and she has opened opened up a, uh, she's opened up a really, really successful hair school. And so she's taken 
the education she gave all of us that was working um, for her to starting a, a really great school and kind of giving back to the industry. It's kind of, it's amazing to see. Awesome. Okay. So then you started your own business, Grayfin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you started that up. Initially, was it just you? It was actually, it was just me until a couple of months ago. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So it was just me and um, I answered the phones. I booked all the appointments. I wrote all the blogs. I, I mean, I cleaned, I cleaned up. I was, I'm the laundress. I'm still the laundress. Um, so just really a one woman show. And, um, and I'm, I'm in behind the chair about 43 hours a week now, um, which has come down because when I first started, I think I was probably right at 60 because I was terrified to wow. say no to anybody. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I'm now learning that, you know, in your 40s, you can't really work those many hours. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now now we're getting into the reason that uh, that I definitely wanted you on the show. So let's talk about some of your numbers then. So as a as a up till a couple of months ago then, as a, a one-woman salon, Tell us what were you, what roughly were your turnover uh, in a year? What kind of figures were you dealing with in terms of clients and also the sort of retail levels that you were dealing with as well? Yeah. Well, um, my business, I hit six figures in the first eight months of being in business. So <laughs> I, I don't really There's, there's know. a lot of people slightly envious. <laughs> So, around about now. Yeah. So I don't really, I don't really know what happened. I don't, and, and, it, and I think it had less to do with me. And I think it has more to do with the amazing men and women that come into my business every day. Um, but, um, you know, our, our, our big goals at this point on my own, like just standing on my own numbers for the year, we, we'd love to hit a quarter million. And so we're probably getting, you know, that, that's, that's the next step for us, um, which is, you know, which is amazing. Um, we are, um, I think on average retail numbers are probably about 50% service to retail. So I always get a little, go up there a little bit, but I do, um, I do upwards of 25 to 30 facials a week. So, and those are, um, between 60 and 90 minutes a piece. Um, so that's sort of my, that's sort of my normal, um, and most of my clients don't come in every four weeks, which is what I think most people in my uh, field go for as far as skincare. Most of mine come out every quarter. So I do have a much larger group of people. I have about um, about a thousand people that come and see me um, yearly, but I would say my regular quarterly list is about 500 people that I see really regularly. So that's not huge, huge numbers of clients. That's, you know, uh, I mean, it's a very healthy number of clients. Don't get me wrong, but you know, we're not talking huge numbers. And if you're saying that they're coming in, or the regulars are coming in more like once a quarter than every four to six weeks, you know, that's that's even more impressive to hear those kind of numbers. So, so what are you working now? You said you're working more forty something hours a week. Um, so how many how many clients are we seeing a day then on an average day? Um, somewhere. I mean, if I'm seeing, you know, if I'm seeing waxing. Um, it can go all the way up to 16, but, um, I, if I said, if I had a fairly facial heavy day, six, seven, six clouds a day. Yeah. Six clouds a day. Okay. So that's, yeah, that's sort of, yeah. Okay. So that's definitely sort of manageable in terms of to ideas and things like that. So give us an idea of Grafen then what, um, obviously it's skincare, but what other services do you do there? 
So um, skincare is definitely what I'm known for, but I, I got into skincare originally because, and or is transferred over to that because I was really known for my eyebrows. Because when I was in the film industry, the first thing we would do would change uh, someone's eyebrows shape to give an opinion of what uh, that character was. Um, probably my favorite example of that is if you look at Charlize Theron, who's got beautiful, kind of thin, slightly rounded eyebrows, gives her a very softness to her skin. If you look at her in, um, in the movie Monster and her eyebrows are thick and blonde, so all you see are her brow bone. And so people don't realize that when you look at, an, at a face and you look at an eyebrow, you really do get a first impression of what that person's personality is going to be. You know, is, you know, is she dumb? Is she smart? Is she interesting? Um, is she angry? Those can all be waxed into an eyebrow really easily. And, you know, especially now when everybody thinks that everyone should have exactly the same eyebrow. Um, <laughs> I wholeheartedly disagree with that. And so I think that that was really, you know, really how Grafen opened and how Grafen grew is that we looked at every single face and every single individual and looked at who they were as a person, who they wanted to be as a person and what their lifestyle was. Because, you know, you don't give someone an eyebrow or a, a uh, that's, high maintenance or a 50 step regime if they barely even have time to take a shower in the morning because they have to have three little kids under the age of four running so, around. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, so it's just, it kinda, everything is always very, um, to use kind of a, a, a hip word right now, it's very bespoke. So everything that we do is, is different for anybody that comes in and which is why it took me so long to find somebody to come and work with me is because um, that's a tall order for people to do. So would you say there's, there's things that you've brought over from your working in the movies to what you do now? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that I draw on that. I draw on that every day. But oddly enough, I think probably what I draw on more than anything else is my, um, my schooling in philosophy. Because, yeah, because in philosophy, there's a right, a wrong, and a middle. And I think beauty is absolutely that. It's, you know, there's a, there's a left, the right, and the middle. And, um, and the truth is always somewhere in the middle. And, um, and so I think I use that, I mean, every day with every person. So oddly, it, you know, there is a reason to go to school for philosophy. Okay. In the end, we, we found a reason for it. <laughs> I'm yeah. still trying to find a reason for that, for the maths degree that I got. But anyway, um, some days I can barely even count. Um, so, yeah, so that, this, that's really interesting. Just some of the things that you were saying there about, you know, um, you know, really talking to people and, and trying to understand, you know, what it is that they're wanting and, and giving this bespoke. Because I think, I think this, like you say, this, this word bespoke is thrown around. Um, quite a lot in a lot of different ways um, but it sounds like your consultations before treatments are probably different to the vast majority of consultations that are going on you probably ask some some slightly different questions and, and some more interesting ones in there so is, is everything that you've done kind of tweaked by you you've, you've sort of done things the way that you think they should be done um, well, you know, yeah, I mean, I had the benefit of when I was in the film industry and, you know, being able to go to all of these top spas and, and, 
at one point in my life, I would have been my own, um, my own customer. And so I think a lot of what, a lot of what I've done to tweak my processes is really to make sure that, um, the things that were done wrong on me that I'm not going to (laughs) do on my clients. Like I remember, uh, when I was 19, I went for a facial and it was supposed to be $85. And she told me, she go, Oh, you have freckles. So that's sun damage. You need, you need vitamin C and Oh, you're dehydrated. So you, we need to do this. And I didn't realize that she was upgrading me with everything that she said. And I kept saying yes. And I came out because <laughs> it sounds good. Oh, it All sounds right. fantastic. And then I came out and my $85 facial was 300. And that was a semester in college that I didn't have any books because I wasn't going to tell my father that I spent all of my money for my (laughs) schooling on a facial. Um, So, you know, that's, those are things that I've, you know, I've learned from. And then, you know, with my clients, I, I don't do a lot of add-ons. I have a one price facial. Mm -hmm. Um, I really have no menu. My menu says that you came, it's your first time in or it's, or you've just been with me forever. Um, and, um, and we just do exactly what's right for your skin every time. And, um, and it's always a conversation. It's always, you know, what does your skin feel like to you? Because I can see what's on the skin, but I don't know what it's like to live in it. And when you're living in your skin, it can be really different from what you see. If someone who has the most beautiful, sensitive skin ever, it's just that it's sensitive. It could hurt to live in that skin. Um, but to everyone else, it's exquisite. So, um, those are, that's information that I think that we need to know as practitioners, because that's really where you realize what the treatment needs to be. Yeah. So there's a couple of things there that I just want to pick out as well. So first of all, when it came to you dealing with your own clients, you, it sounds like you basically took the philosophy of, well, how would I want to be treated? How would I want to be dealt with? And what would I want in a in a visit to a clinic or something like that. You started with that. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. So that's a very sensible. It's probably one of those things that we all think we do, but maybe have never actually sat down and gone, well, is this actually what I'd want? And, and is everything that I'm doing the way that I'd want it? And the exactly. second thing I want to pick up on there is you said you don't actually have a menu. Mm-hmm. I mean, so go on. So the first, so the first bit of that, and, and I say this all the time, is that the first time you come in to see me, you're my client. The second time you come to see me, you're my friend. The third time you've come to see me, if you have no place to go at Christmas, you have a place at my table. And that's how I run everything with everyone that walks into my clinic doors. Um, is that I think that I think if you treat people the way you would your favorite person in your family, they'll do the same for you. And so that has been, that's been a huge portion of it. And when I say I don't have a menu, I do. Matter of fact, I'm coming and making a booklet of, but my booklet is more of skincare philosophies rather than, a, you know, a, we do an oxygenating facial or we do, um, a boat, a Botox like facial, or we do this, that, and the other. It, it is my menu literally says, um, your first time facial, you come in and you get to meet me and, you know, we figure out what's right for you. Um, or you're a personalized clinical facial, meaning that you've been with me and that we're working on your goals and your wish list. And, um, and, and 
and then there's like a little list of like 50 different things that I might do or I might not do. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's, it's, it's always different. It's always different, which makes it fun and exciting for myself and oh, my that sounds awesome. But what I'm trying to, so, okay. So the, the, I mean, the one thing that, that really intrigued me was when you told me just how booked you are, you were a hundred and something percent booked, which is clearly you've, you've defined what your hours are in a week and you go over them basically by the sound of things um so and and just what you said there about how you treat your guests um i can now fully understand how that happens because you know if you've got that kind of view on how you treat your guests and your guests and your clients understand that then i'm not surprised that they are fiercely loyal and basically fight to get back to come for an appointment for you but i want to know how so how do i find out about Grayfin and Cat Phillips. If I'm someone who doesn't know about you, what's kind of the number one way that you get new people coming to you? Um, by my referrals, my clients are really great um, about telling people about me. Even though when I get super, when I started getting super booked, I had them come back to me and say things like, "Well, I don't want to tell anybody about you because I can't get in." Um, and so that was really frightening, but I think that, I think that one of the hardest things that I did when I first opened, when I first opened my shop and, you know, and I didn't have anybody because when I left my old company, I had, um, a do not compete. And because I, Oh really? So, so you didn't bring, you couldn't bring clients over there? I couldn't. I mean, I, I, I guess I could have broken the rules and I could have, but you know, out of respect for this woman that that had hired me all those years ago and took a took a chance on me, um, you know, I I I just I wasn't going to do it. So I um, the way I got my clients originally in this area is I sent out flyers with my photo on it, and I'm not someone who likes to put photos on anything, um, and which is funny because I have a lot now. But um, <laughs> it happens, trust me. <laughs> But to all of these, um, to, to the neighborhoods they were in, and I just put one in every single mailbox and areas that I knew that I had pockets of people that knew me and hoped that people would see my picture and, you know, it didn't end up in the round bin. And so this, this was the first thing you did. You went out, you decided, all right, I'm starting up on my own. I need some clients. I can't take the clients that I had before out of, like say, respect and which is fantastic but you thought right how can I get people so you looked at where those guests were coming from so you sort of identified some areas yeah which is great and then you went okay flyers yeah so you put your picture on them tell us can you remember what else was on those flyers kind of what did they say what did they offer um it was a map um I put a um I put a offer for, I had just gotten an ultrasonic skin spatula, which is this fabulous little thing and, um, inexpensive because I was, I was broke. I, I, I sold my Ducati to be able to buy a facial bed. I mean, we had no money to build this shop. Um, and so I was offering, um, that as an add on, um, that if you came in, um, I give that to you for free. And no one knew what it was, so I don't think anybody cared. <laughs> I don't think anybody cared. But I mean, I thought it was—I thought it was a big deal. I thought it was a really big deal because I had never—I'd never had it before. And um, but I think as one person figured out who I was, 
And they called me up and, and, and my phone was just not ringing. And I get one phone call and tears would come down my face as I answer the phone. And I'm like, somebody wants to talk to me. <laughs> um, and they were like, oh, I'm so excited that he found you. And they would come in. And the first gal that came in, her name was Tracy. And poor thing, I didn't even know how to run my credit card machine. So I had to call her back three days later. I'm like, I'm sorry, I didn't charge you because it didn't work. And she was great about it. But everybody that did come in, I told them, I said, you know, I'm a small business. I'm, I'm trying this. And I, I, everything I have in the world, I'm putting into this. And as hard as it is to do, because... You know, you know, for my pride is I, I had to say, look, I can't survive if I'm your dirty little secret. My people need to know about me. And, and it's really amazing. I think that people love seeing businesses grow when you're really, you know, you're really trying and you're not, you know, you're honest about that. These are things that you need. I think that humans we like to raise each other up. It makes us feel good. So I think that if you actually say, Hey, could you do this for me? I, I, you know, I'm struggling. Um, that really helped. And it was, it was a huge lesson in, um, you know, the human condition for me. And it, I think it, I think it in some ways changed my perspective on people, which, so it was a, it was a hard thing to do, but I'm, I'm so, incredibly happy that I did that so yeah so you you provided an excellent service they loved what you did you were open and honest and said I I need some more people can you help me I'm dying on the vine <laughs> I'm dying. <Yeah. laughs> I don't want to sound desperate but I'm really desperate can you help me um and I mean what format did that take did you have any sort of scheme in place or was it literally just you you asked them to tell their friends um, I always had, um, little cards that said that if, um, if you sent your, your client in, uh, or your friend in, I would give you $10 and I would give them $10. And, and that's so I always had a referral scheme in place from day one, um, because I, I grew up in a salon that had one. So I was really lucky in that I had already been trained on that and that's really morphed, um, as it is now, now I have um, a couple of different levels of those cards. I have uh, a VIP card. I have a couple of people that get my little VIPs in there. I've got a little higher um, higher option. And then um, when I have people who are really big in my client in my client book, if they've uh, lost their position at work or they're in a transition where things are a little tighter for them. Um, I will, um, I'll take care of their services for their job interviews, their eyebrows, things like that, um, to, um, in order to, um, and in kind of in trade for meeting their friends. And that's worked out really, really excellently. And I'm really at the point now that if I offer a percent off or, um, a lot of times I'll do, I do one sale a year. It's the only time I have a percentage off. And it's if someone is giving to my charity, I give them a chit that allows them to go and make their own sale one day out of the year. And um, no one wants to take those discounts. <laughs> it's really, it's really heartwarming. Um, they don't even, they don't even take them. 
So it's, it's, it's it's created a culture of, you know, I'll tell everybody about you if you tell everybody about me and, um, and all my, my business owners that come and see me, um, we have a really nice referral network that goes on in between as well. Okay. So is that business, is that like referral partners who refer your business and you refer them? How does that work? Yeah. Um, I've, we have that going on, but also at the same time is that now instead of giving, you know, giving 10% off for, or $10 off for things um, of that nature, a lot of times if I get a referral for someone, someone I, sometimes I will uh, send them over a, um, uh, a free class to go uh, see my friend at her yoga studio. Um, and we'll, we'll do thing, different things like that. And so rather than um, uh, necessarily taking things off, because whenever you start giving these things, you're taking it straight away from your, from your profits and your profits are where you go and you build bigger business. But if you help someone else build their empire, they'll help you build yours. And then most of the time, uh, the people who come in through my doors, um, are similar to me. And a lot of times will really love the things that I love. And so as a fabulous tea shop that I absolutely adore. And sometimes I will give, um, I'll give away packets of her tea and other times, you know, there'll be, um, exercise places and I'll give out, um, free workouts or free yoga lessons. And I mean, and it's, and it's really worked out very nicely that now there's a couple of small businesses that we all are, um, really helping each other rise. That's awesome. So, I mean, again, was this a strategic thing? Was this something you thought about doing or is it kind of just come into place? Cause th- this very much falls into that whole, um, you know, giving someone a gift of, of an experience or of a, a something you found, even if it's specialty teas or something local, giving people that gift, even if it's the same value as the $10 off that you could give them really easily, that's worth so much more in terms of their mind and their perception and, and their life than that $10 off that they could have had. But yet it's actually the same value. So was that was that something you kind of stumbled on? Was it something you sort of borrowed or what was that? Where'd that come from? I think I kind of realized it when I first started building my business for, um, for my old salon. And that was, uh, we were right by a train station and we had no business. Nobody knew who we were. We had just gone into this new little town and, um, and everybody had gone to this one place that had been in that same town for 25 years. And we knew that we were better. We knew that we were better. At least we have felt it in our hearts. Um, and so how are you going to get business? And so I would sit out every day when the train came in at rush hour with coupons for free eyebrows because I knew I gave great eyebrows. No one wanted that eyebrow. No one wanted it. And I was like, okay, well, what can I do? And we had this big giant bowl of dum-dum lollipops at our front desk. (laughs) So after a while of being rejected by everyone, and it was really tragically hard (laughs) to be rejected that badly, um, I would go out with the same offer for the eyebrows and a five cent lollipop. And if you had that lollipop, all of a sudden that free eyebrow had value because they wanted the lollipop. And that's when I realized is that free doesn't mean anything to anybody. It means it's not good enough. Whereas if you offer and then, and then we started playing with the offer 
while I was out there. And, and it was just an eye, you come get your eyebrow waxed for $25 and I'll give you a lollipop. <laughs> and people would start coming in because they thought it was worth something. And I think that that's probably ultimately where it came from is that, and then, you know, I, we have a lot of these, uh, companies that, you know, they'll advertise your services for 50% off the usual and customary, and they'll give you 25% of that. And it's just not, I really believe that if you have something that's worth a hundred dollars and you sell it for 50, that will never be worth a hundred dollars ever again. Oh, hey, sorry. Just wanted to interrupt there for a second to tell you about our sponsor for this episode. Now, okay, we're all looking for ways to simplify our lives these days. And for salon owners, if we could simplify our businesses, that'd be a big help. So for small businesses, there's the Cabbage Card to help you simplify and cover your expenses all in one place. Now, the Cabbage Card is linked to a line of credit, just like a loan, but easier to organize, of up to $250,000, giving you the flexibility to make purchases with cash, check, or wherever credit cards are accepted. Now, you can easily apply online and get a quick decision, no lengthy forms to fill in, and then access the amount that you need for everything from supplies and stock to bills and even travel expenses. And don't worry, you're in safe hands too because Cabbage has already funded more than $4 billion. And they're trusted by over 130,000 businesses already, and they are A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. So, get the security of a line of credit with the convenience of a card. Visit cabbage.com forward slash beauty business. And because they're good friends of ours, you'll get a $100 gift card simply for qualifying. So why not do it now? But remember, to get the $100 gift card, you need to go to cabbage with a K. So that's K-A-B-B-A-G-E dot com forward slash beauty business. Credit lines and pricing are subject to periodic review and change. This is not a revolving account. Individual requests for capital are separate instalment loans. All cabbage business loans are issued by the Celtic Bank, a Utah chartered industrial bank and member of the FDIC. Okay, now let's get back to today's episode. I am so completely in agreement there. That's absolutely one of the one of the number one things I bang on about is that absolutely value what you do. That's the price. That's the value, you know discount only if you absolutely need to or have to. So I love that. Exactly. But, you know, a, a hundred dollar service with a really great lollipop. Absolutely. Well, there you go. <laughs> so yeah, so that's, that's how all of that kind of came about. And, you know, and the nice thing is, is that, you know, as you start growing, you know, you can end up, you know, you partner with brands and you can ask them, you know, hey, do you guys have any freebies or, or things that we can do at a lesser price to be able to bundle in? And so, you know, a lot of times um, at certain times of the year, you know, right before right before vacation times and things like that, a facial will come bundled with uh, your cleanser for your trip. So this is um, this is the adding value concept. Rather than giving money off, it's the adding value. Um, yeah, it's, people always want more, more than they want less. If that makes any sense, they always want they always want to get more for the same price, more than they want just it cheaper. And and it seems counterintuitive because I think we always think, oh no no no, if we just give a discount, then people will want it more. And it's actually just not true. And I think the only benefit I can ever see for discounts is that they are really easy to manage and that's about the only plus really because actually all these other things actually work better so so in that story there I'm hearing first of all tenacity you weren't willing to give up you were going to sit there at that 
bench on that train station all day long trying to give away these free eyebrows and then realized it didn't work. So you went, okay, that's not working. What can I do? Um, and then you weren't afraid to do something even a bit silly and give away a lollipop. And it turns out, okay, well, that works. <laughs> so, so tenacity, willingness to try something a bit different, even though it seems crazy and it probably won't work, but it turns out it did really well. Um, and so, so that's, so, but that was, that was with the salon you worked in before. So the, the first few clients you got for your own business came from flyers. Um, and then from there, was it really just referrals and that's where it's gone? Or have you done any other things in that time? It was referrals. Um, I had a client who told me that, I don't know if you guys have Yelp over there, but it's really big here, um, which is a, um, it's a review site and it's a review site that, um, that as a business owner, I can't control anything about what the reviews look like. Um, so they're very honest. And I had a client who came in and, and, and he has been seeing me for a really long time. And he says, you have to be on Yelp. Okay. All right. So, (laughs) so, and I'm like, I don't even know how to do that. I can't even run my credit card machine. Uh, and he's just like, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. And so he, he, they, he created it and, and, and handed the reins over to me. And, um, and it's been really amazing is, is it's, it's provided this little space where people can go on who see me and they love me and tell everybody else why they love me. And so I have these incredible reviews that people have been talking about. And it's interesting because I'm sure at some point there'll be some bad ones in there, which (laughs) going to cry those days, but, (laughs) but, but what's really interesting, those reviews that sit out there, which are so scary to get, I almost feel that the new clientele that come from those reviews, they've almost been like those people have been vetted by my tribe that see me already. And so the new people that come in from that are just so similar to the people that have always come to me that um, I get very excited when they book in from that. So you've sort of, whether by design or accidentally, you've created your own ideal clients. Those are the people that you deal with. Mm -hmm. They refer more of your ideal clients kind of on purpose, kind of in-person referrals. But then through these reviews, presumably they're, the the way they're talking about you, the language they use, the the things they say about you, that's just attracting even more of the people who will resonate with that and therefore are your ideal client. So you've created this kind of circle of just bringing the people to you who are the people that you want to work with. So it's yeah, I've been really lucky that way, and I think I think the other thing is is that um, you know everybody but you say it's you say it's luck, but you've you know you 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 brought those first people in, you must have given them such an incredible experience and then been, been so open and vulnerable and honest with them that you, you know, you're like, okay, I might not eat this week if you don't (laughs) send me some more people. And I think a lot of people don't want to do that. They don't want to, they don't want to look like, um, you know, I, I, I've not kind of got things together, you know, that they want to look like, Oh no, no, it's fine. Absolutely. You know, but if you want to refer someone, it's okay. You know, there's, there's actually nothing wrong with being human in your own business. Yeah. Um, I grew up, I grew up in German family. So we're very German, very German values. And Germans are known for being quite buttoned. You know, everything is very linear and it's all figured out. And my mom was this amazing woman who she would go out and she'd ride, ride eight horses in a day in a white starched shirt. And she would come home and her shirt was completely clean. And there was not a rumple and not a crinkle on it. 
And I, I, I really believed at one point in my life that I was going to grow up and be that person. But I'm enough of my dad who um, is kind of the absent-minded professor. Um, and now I'm, I'm at the age at which I remember my mom riding all of those horses and uncrumpled. And I realized that as much as you believe that you're going to grow up and have it all figured out and have it all together, that it's really, it's not like that. And, um, and I think that when you admit that you're just figuring it out and it's kind of a big experiment every day, that it allows people to sort of like let their hair down and relax a little bit because, and say, gosh, you know, you're right. This is, this is not what I expected it to be. And then it allows you to be able to work together to try to figure out you know, what is that I know or what is it that they know that we can help each other navigate life together? And I really have this, this, you know, I have about 800 people that we're, we're navigating life together. We are figuring it out day by day. And, um, and that's really wonderful. And that makes a, a real strong closeness because although you need to go, you need to show up in your business and you need to have your lab coat needs to be clean and starched. Your hair needs to be right. Your makeup needs to be on point and you need to be, leave your baggage at the door. You don't have to be so rigid that you come up is perfect. And I think that, especially with estheticians, I think that we, we like to come across as, um, you know, I always wash my face and I've never woken up with makeup on. And, you know, sometimes I'm just so tired that I do. <laughs> and, you know, I, and there's nothing worse in the world. And when you wake up in the morning and you look at your husband and your husband is like, really? red color stay lipstick and it's all over your face in the morning. I mean, sometimes it happens. I'm, 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 I'm not perfect. And I think that when people realize that the expert screws up, it, it just, it just allows everything to become more real. I love that. I love that. And, and you're so right. So much about also I've, I've heard it said that everything about business is a hypothesis um you know and, and all you're ever doing is just testing that hypothesis and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't but i guess life really is just a hypothesis and sometimes things work and sometimes they don't um so yeah it's not about how you fall off the horse it's about how you get back up absolutely so bringing it back around to I, i'd love it if we can have it's been really nice talking to you. it's been lovely hearing these stories and um if we can bring it around to some sort of takeaways let's say so Let's say you were talking to someone who was, uh, they'd they'd been an esthetician or a beauty therapist in another salon or a spa for a while, and they were, well, let's say they decided that they were going to go out on their own, and um, so that so their experience had been they'd been to esthetician school or, or beauty college, and they'd worked somewhere, so they'd got some actual experience, and they decided that they loved it and it's what they wanted to do, but you know they wanted to do it themselves. What? What advice would you give to them as they were just starting out? I think it's really important to find a mentor, um, not only in, and I unfortunately didn't, I didn't do this early enough. Um, 
I think that you should find a mentor within your own company that you're working for. And then you need to find one um, outside of yourself, whether that be a, a coach or another person that's kind of already been there. Because a lot of questions come out and you it it doesn't make sense to make the same mistakes that everybody's made mistake made over and over and over again and move past. You kind of have to listen to other people. Um, I would say that I would say that I think it's really important to to apprentice and work underneath someone else uh, before you try to go off on your own as well. Um, and then when you do go off on your own, there's no need to burn a bridge. Um, you worked somewhere for a particular period of time because at one point you liked being there. And I think it's really important that at the end of that to remember why you loved being there, not why you left, because how you leave is really, um, is really how you'll start your next business. It's with that. And when you have that, you know, when you have something icky behind you, um, it, it'll carry on to your business and then you'll spend way too much speaking badly. Um, the other thing is I would always tell people that the information that's given at the chair or at the table, depending on what you do, that's really privileged information. And it doesn't need to be discussed with any other therapist. It doesn't need to be discussed with another person. You don't know how people are connected to each other. And so if you have talked someone into letting their guard down, you need to protect that sacred agreement that you have with them, that you're going to keep that information um, between the two of you. Confidential. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And I think I've got a lot of people sort of uh, following me along now who are have started out and they've probably had that nice thing of they've opened up a salon and it's all nice and they've got that first sort of interest level of new clients coming in because they're the they're the new person and then they've sort of maybe seen them drift back away to where they've gone before and they're maybe struggling in some way to kind of fill their their books and days with time. What would you what would be your number one advice to them? I think is that I, it's really easy to get excited about meeting a new person. Um, but it's really not the new people that grow your business. It's the people who keep coming back. And the more frequently, the more they come back, the more you can deepen that relationship. Um, you know, you don't have to spend much money. I don't really don't spend any money on advertising anymore because, um, it, it, your business will build its, it, it'll keep building itself. And it, and it's those long-term relationships that are so valuable. So rather than, you know, the normal where somebody comes in and you're super excited and the next time you're kind of excited and then the third time you're like, great, they're back. <laughs> um, if you flip that on the other way and you're like, oh God, I got a new person I got to meet today. And then the second time you're like, oh wow, hey, look, she's coming back. And the third time you're like, oh my gosh, my friend is coming back. I'm super excited. I mean, it's, it's awesome. It's kind of like going for coffee with a girlfriend and they leave you money at the end of the, of the coffee. It's fantastic. <laughs> so, um, so I think, I think it's important to value people the more you talk to them, the longer they've been there. So see people as friends, as guests, rather than the next client that walks through the door. Exactly. I mean, people aren't money. People are people. And, you know, it, it's, it's, not a lot, it's hard because a lot of times we do come from such different backgrounds as the people we serve. 
but um, we all break down kind of the same thing on the inside anyway. Um, and as long as you can kind of find that common ground, it's uh, it, it really makes for a, it makes for a very different working life. Love it, love it, Kat. It's been really lovely talking to you. I'm I'm so pleased. I did. I wanted to do this, um, and everyone when I first asked Kat to be on, I mean. I guess a lot of the time I'm I'm interviewing an expert in something or you know someone who's got a a new course out or a new book that they're promoting and and something like that because they're an expert in an area and I want you to hear from them but I just really wanted you to hear from someone who really wasn't trying to sell anything but was a very real successful independent salon owner of their own and just kind of hear their story and and hear that it's not always roses but you know if you keep true to yourself and you're honest you you build a business that you absolutely love. So thank you very much for that, Kat. Thank you so much, Adam. It's been such a pleasure getting to know you and I learn so much from you all the time. And, uh, you really make sure that I stay on point just from listening <laughs> to your podcast. And so it's a great honor to have been able to be here today. Thank you. Thank you so much. And if anyone did want to connect with you online, do you have any sort of social media? Sure. Um, yeah, my uh, website is uh, www.grafenskin.com. That's G as in George, R-A-F as in Frank, I-N as in Nancy, skin, S-K-I-N.com. And um, I'm grafen underscore beauty at Instagram and at Facebook. Awesome. I'll put all those links on the show notes page as well so people can find them. Right. It's been lovely, lovely having you on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. There you go. Now, I hope you enjoyed that. Now, like I said, today's episode was designed to be more of an inspirational conversation, if you like. But there were some business building nuggets in there. And if you want them handed to you in a nice, easy format, then head over to the show notes page, which you can find at www.beautybusinesspodcast.com forward slash episode 31. Thank you so much for listening along today. I know how busy you all are and how precious everyone's time is. So I really do appreciate you taking the time to listen to the show all the way through. Now, there's no iTunes review on today's show because I'd like to ask a small favour of you if possible. Now, I've been very fortunate and I've been nominated for an award in the British Podcasting Awards this year. I found out just a couple of days ago. And if you would be so kind, I'd like to ask you to support the show. All you need to do is go to www.britishpodcastawards.com forward slash vote. Now in the box that you see there, type The Beauty Business Podcast and the podcast logo should pop up. Click on it and cast your vote. It literally takes about 30 seconds to do and it would mean a great deal to me. I'm not sure you have to live in Britain to vote, so just give it a try. Every bit of support helps, right? So if you've ever taken even one thing away from one of my episodes, please pop over and give me your support. That's britishpodcastawards.com forward slash vote. Now, thank you again so much for listening today. Once again, you can find all the show notes, quotes and links we mentioned in the show today at www.beautybusinesspodcast.com forward slash episode 31. Don't forget to vote for the show in the podcast awards. There's a handy link on the podcast show notes page. If you find yourself there, I will see you next week. <laughs>